Maine, a place where you can find breathtaking scenery from sandy beaches, ice cap mountains, and pristine lakes. A place you can enjoy a delicious lobster while sipping on one of Maine's finest craft brews and saving room for a blueberry pie. But the one thing many people may not know about Maine is the artistry and craftsmanship that comes with the culture of this beautiful state. From the Industrial Revolution to now, Maine has continued to build its economy through makers, and there are hundreds of them. Maine has makers that can handcraft a high-quality piece of wood furniture where the joinery fits like a glove. So a skirt made with plant-based fabric with a New England-made machine that was invented in 1881. Make a mean mustard through a cold grind process made in the same mill since 1900, and much more. Join me for a journey through the lives of makers from across Maine to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Christian Vermeulen, and this is Makers of Maine. This episode is sponsored by Town and Country Federal Credit Union. Town and Country Federal Credit Union is a member-owned, not-for-profit financial cooperative. Their commitment is to build solid, long-term relationships with their members, and they're here to help you save and plan for tomorrow. I recently joined Town and Country Federal Credit Union as I needed to open up a checking and savings account for the Makers of Maine podcast. I received the best service at their South Portland location as they treat their members like family. What I enjoy the most when it comes to my partnership with Town & Country is their continued support to the local community. Dave Libby, who is their CEO, is a board member for Maine Cancer Foundation, and he has continued to give back to the various activities Maine Cancer Foundation manages to support the cancer community. Also, every Wednesday, they give back in any way uh, to various types of organizations and campaigns out there in the local area. Please check out uh, Town & Country's mobile app, and it is the best in the nation, so I've heard. And honestly, it is very user-friendly when I continue to use it. And uh, please uh, go visit their website at tcfcu.com. Now, back to our Makers of Maine interview. There are so many makers here in Maine, from ones who were born and raised here to ones who are from away. I stumbled upon my next guest through a friend of mine, and as soon as I saw her work, I thought, how brightful and fruity. It really brightened my day when I saw her work. Chandler Jackson recently moved to Portland, Maine from Rhode Island, and she brought along with her her growing business, her passion for block printing and pattern design. From bananas to papaya to kiwi to cats, her designs are unique and are hand-painted on tea towels, recycled cardstock paper, home objects, and she recently launched a jewelry collection that she collaborated with a jewelry maker. And I heard that the collection did so well that it sold out. I really hope it comes back. She also does custom work. And she used her block printing technique to craft my uh, linen tablecloth uh, with my main state wood grain logo. And now before I jump into the interview with Chandler, I did want to touch on some holiday gift guides that I've been working on. You've probably seen on my social media. So I decided to do a main inspired holiday dinner. And it encompassed makers of all sorts, from the taste to the table to the style. There was so much incorporated in it, and I hope you enjoyed the blogs and videos. And if you haven't seen those yet, please visit my website, 
I will also be launching a self-care focused holiday gift guide, which includes a lot of beauty and body care products, as well as just everyday uh, products you can think of from accessories to plant-based you know, bars that are you know designed here in Maine. There's just so much to think about when it comes to incorporating uh, Maine maker products into your lifestyle. Now, let's talk craft with Chandler Jackson with Freckled Fuchsia. Thank you so much, Chandler, for being on the Makers of Maine podcast today. It is so lovely to have you, and I can't wait to talk about your craft. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on here, too. I'm excited to share with you. Yes. So, well, let's start off with the first question. So what is your craft and what inspired you to start it? So my craft is printmaking and illustration primarily. And I started my design career as a UX UI designer. And it was a lot of digital design, a lot of time on the computer. And I was really missing, you know, the handmade aspect of the design process, like I had been used to during school. So that's kind of what re-inspired me to get back into what I do now. And I was working in that profession for about, I'd say two years until I just started, you know, tampering with the idea of getting back into that. And one of the first things that I started playing with first to just, you know, get my hands back into the feeling of that was block printing. And it's something that's pretty, pretty simple to pick back up because it doesn't take a lot of space. It's a pretty low cost craft that you can, you know, go to the art store, get what you need for under $50. So I just, you know, went to Blick one day and I picked up some tools and some printmaking supplies and I just got back into it. And it had been, I think, you know, seven years since I had touched it. So it felt really good to start making something with my hands again instead of, you know, pushing pixels. Yeah, <laughs> I totally understand. I I feel like when you get ingrained in one, you know, particular full-time job or a hobby and then you move on to the next one, you kind of like circle back sometimes. So it sounds like you sort of did that. Like, so how did you get into block printing in the beginning? So you said you did it a long time ago, but then you picked it back up. So tell me a little bit of background on that. Yeah, definitely. So the first time I had done block printing was actually in high school in an AP art class. It was just one of the assignments that we had. So, I mean, (laughs) I had no choice but to do it, but I remember really enjoying it because there's so many steps that go into it between the carving um, and the printing and, you know, repeating that over and over again. Um, And yeah, so I guess it had been seven years since I had done it. And then when I was getting back into just exploring, doing something on my own, I was doing a lot of pen and ink illustrations and, you know, creating art prints, but that felt very flat to me. So I was thinking of ways of, you know, how can I bring this to life or how can I give this another, you know, layer of feeling to it that feels a little bit more handmade and hand done. And usually when something is block printed, especially on, you know, paper or fabric, there is a little bit more of a raise because it is a thicker ink. So... I just, yeah, I guess I was looking for a way to reproduce my prints in a different way that was not just digital. Yeah. Just something you're kind of like going back in time a little bit. Cause it's like, you know, block printing, I think has been around for a while and kind of had that digital expertise and that skill set, but to something that is more like hands-on is so great. And I'm so, you know, like taken back by what you've done. Cause when you <laughs> 
your products. I mean, they're, they're truly remarkable and really bring out Thank a lot you. Of color and just really fabulous designs that people would resonate with. And so I'm not surprised of how successful you've been. And that's why I'm so honored to be interviewing you today. Thank um, you. <laughs> so tell me, are you from Maine? Like what, um, tell me where you're from, like a little bit of background about you. Yeah. So I actually just moved to Maine a little bit over a year ago. So I'm still pretty new to, you know, the Portland area and Maine itself. Um, I was living in Providence, Rhode Island before, and I grew up in Connecticut and I went to school in Boston. So I've been, you know, in New England my whole life, but I was really drawn to Maine just because it is so, you know, Portland is so close to the coast and Maine just has so many beautiful mountains. And I love that Maine is kind of mysterious in a way because it's just such a big state and there's so much up there, especially North. So I, you know, I got to a point where I didn't see myself living in Providence, you know, forever. So I just thought, you know, where do I want to go next? Nothing is really tying me down. I was just getting into freckled fuchsia. So I moved to Portland last August and yeah, I think I'm going to be here for a long time. <laughs> good, good. We like yeah. to hear that because we like people to stay here. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So like, is there a, a particular person that brought you up here or is there a particular like friends or family or like, or did you, were you just like, okay, I just wanted to go check out Maine and you just <laughs> came by yourself. <laughs> no. So I was, I've been dating my boyfriend for about three and a half years and we were both in the same situation. We were living together in Providence and we were having these conversations about, you know, where do we see ourselves, you know, actually staying and really enjoying. And, you know, we really wanted to be somewhere that we, you know, that we love to be. So there was really nothing else besides a couple, you know, weekend trips up to Portland that, you know, helped us make that decision. I, Cause I think it's so, it's so easy to just, you know, go to Portland one time and fall in love with it. So I'm we sure. just decided yes. to, to come here and make it happen. And then eventually, you know, I, I met people, but it was just us for a little bit and our cats. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah. did you start Freckled Fuchsia in Maine or did you start it in Providence? I started it in Providence. So I started Freckled Fuchsia full time almost two years ago. So two Decembers ago is when I started it and you know, I kind of, you know, got my footing there, you know, did markets, you know, connected with people there for about, I'd say eight months or six, six to eight months I was there. And then I transitioned, transitioned everything to Portland. Wow. And do you find that the community here has helped, you know, welcome you and supported you? I know you, you've only been here for a year, but I didn't know if there was, you know, a community uh, here that has found you, um, or you just still have the same cl clientele or you're no nationwide. I'm curious as to, you know, how, um, Maine, you know, has been a part of your brand thus far with being here for a year. Right. Yeah. So little by little, I've been able to make connections here and get to know people. I actually hosted a block printing workshop back in January with Juju Maine, which is a small, oh, yeah. um, boutique. Do you know of them? Missy? Yes, I do. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> so we hosted a block printing workshop in the winter and it was so much fun. Um, and then unfortunately COVID, you know, got in the way of, you know, attending markets and doing workshops in a comfortable way. So I haven't been able to, you know, get into that this year, but you know, I've, I've connected with Missy several times. I'm actually in one of the shops downtown, Fitz and Bennett home too. 
Oh, um, nice. she, yeah. So she well. carries my work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's both great. are super awesome. Um, yeah. And I, I got a studio space and we get into that later back in June. So that's just kind of helped me get a presence just downtown and having a space there. And I do offer local pickups. So it's been nice to be able to meet a couple of the people who do choose that option. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's something you were not really planning on, but you know, in these times, I guess you have to, to really pivot your business. And that is so yeah. great to hear that you have some retailers that I've, you've partnered up with. And I'm really excited that you do workshops. Cause I would love to, to, you know, be a part of that sometime. I find that I love being a part of the crafting process as I don't consider myself a big crafter, like at all. Right. I, that's why, hence I created this podcast and I want to talk to people who are, you know, makers and have really valuable skills and a lot of story to tell. So that's really cool that you do have workshops. Now, can you tell me, you know, I know this may be a long process, but from beginning to end, (laughs) like really, how do you craft your pieces? Cause I know that the way you do it is very, you know, unique in the designs you come up with. And it's just fascinating just to see it. And I want to hear about it. I'm dying to hear about it. So please tell me. Yeah, so everything starts, you know, on pen and paper. I never start digitally because I think it feels very limited from the get-go if you start that way. So it's usually just, you know, a really quick pen and ink sketch in my notebook. Um, I focus a lot on fruits and foods and, you know, flowers recently. So those are the illustrations that I'll just start with very roughly and then, you know, just creating thumbnail compositions that are about, you know, like two inches by an inch in size, really tiny. And then once I get something that I like or I'm excited about, I'm like, okay, like, let's bring this, you know, into something that's a little bit bigger and, you know, adding some color and playing with that. So I'll use Posca pens, which are acrylic paint markers, which have like a really, you know, vibrant and juicy (laughs) color to them. Um, So I'll take that onto a bigger sheet of paper or another medium and, you know, just start drawing those forms with the markers and pretty loosely too. I don't, I don't plan things out, you know, to the T on paper. I do a lot of, you know, more of the planning digitally. So I keep it pretty free and loose to begin with. And then again, once I've applied color and I've applied textures, you know, with the markers, um, I'll bring it in digitally. So basically I'll, you know, just take a photo of what I've created and bring it into Adobe Photoshop. And I will illustrate on top of, you know, whatever I've created, whether it's a pattern or just like a, you know, illustration composition and I'll clean it up and get it exactly to how I want it. And then once I've done that, I'll save it out as a JPEG and then I'll bring it into Illustrator to then vectorize that image. So basically taking that and, you know, creating just a vector file so that you can scale it as large or as small as you want. And then you can easily, you know, change colors or edit colors to how you want to. Um, and then from there, I mean, that's, that's pretty much how I get the, the artwork that I'm looking for. And then after that, I have to make the decision, you know, am I going to make a tea towel, an art print, you know, what am I going to do with this? So I think it really just depends, um, you know, what that artwork is going to go on. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it because then you have to think about the materials that you're going to use for that particular towel or, 
you know, wherever it might be. And I know, I know you're working on my tablecloth right now for um, yeah. <laughs> displaying for my events, which thank you so much for doing that. I'm so excited yeah, of about course. it. I'm excited and, to print it. <laughs> yeah. So I know you mentioned you had to like carve out the stamp and everything, which is tell, you know, the listeners, like how you're going about that process. Cause I find it just phenomenal of how you're going about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I know I, I just talked about how I, you know, go from, you know, analog illustration to something that's digital, but for block printing, it's a little bit different because especially with working with somebody else. So I already have that artwork. So basically what I'll do is I'll print out the logo that you provided me on a piece of paper to full scale on a printer that I have in my office. And then once I printed that out, I'll take a very soft lead pencil and basically trace over that logo and all of the line work that I want to be carving out. And so once I've traced that on top of the paper, I will flip that piece of paper over on top of the rubber stamp and I'll just gently rub on top of it. And that basically transfers that soft lead pencil onto the pad. So then once I peel the paper off, I will see your design um, on the stamp. Wow. And then, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so once it's on there, that's just the transferring part. And then, and then that's when I'll start carving. So I'll just start carving out the negative space so that any of the white space that's around your logo, that's what's going to be carved out. And anything that's, you know, the black or the dark color is what will stay. So that usually takes, I mean, especially something that's your size, it's going to be about 12 inches by 18 inches, it'll probably take about an hour or two. And maybe I'm being optimistic because <laughs> I do clean it up a little bit afterwards, but that's, that's usually how it gets carved out. Wow. That it yeah. sounds like a crazy process. I mean, you make it sound so easy, but I'm sure <laughs> that it can be pretty timely and just a lot of um, thought and resources and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, do you do a lot of custom work or do you just focus on your collections and designs for right now? Right now I've been focusing more, I think on my own work. Um, I do do some custom work, whether it's block printing or I'll do collaborations with other businesses and that's not necessarily block printing, but it'll be, you know, using my artwork into a different form, like jewelry, for example, which I'm working on right now with another maker. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I've, I definitely venture into different mediums because I think it keeps things interesting and new and um, you know, something that people usually aren't seeing from me. So Right. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Now tell me what, mm-hmm. uh, of an example of a collaboration you're working on. You don't have to tell me all of them, but tell me uh, one <laughs> that is coming up and then also tell me one that you've already worked on as well. Yeah, definitely. So the one that's coming up is going to be ready for the end of October, which is really exciting and very soon. Um, but it's with a maker out in Minneapolis and she creates handcrafted brass jewelry and it's all hand cut. It's really beautiful. So basically, we've been working together for the past two months, you know, just going back and forth on my design. So I sent her a couple of my illustrations that I've been using, you know, on tea towels or art prints. And she's basically taking those and creating, you know, dangly earrings and studs, which is super exciting um, to wow. see them kind of come to life in a 3D form because a lot of my work is 2D, you know, whether it's on tea towels or prints. So it's something really different that I haven't done before. 
Yeah. I can't wait to see that. And um, tell me one project that you've worked on in the past, maybe with a retailer or something that you do custom work for. Um, about a year ago now, I'm trying to think how long it was. I collaborated with House Witch, which is a boutique in Salem, Massachusetts. And I created a line of pillows with her. And that was really fun too, because that's something that's, you know, I've never done before either. Um, it's very similar to the, the tea towel process because the pillows were being screen printed. Um, but I created all the original illustrations and artwork for those. And, you know, we worked together to pick out the fabric. You know, we went back and forth and sent samples. And then we um, collaborated with a screen printer based in, in Brooklyn, New York to do the printing. So it was all kept very local. Um, all the fabric was sourced from the U.S. So it was really exciting to see that come together. So tell me, I, I know I keep hearing like made in USA, made locally. And then um, I know on your website, you promote heavily with, you know, sustainability and kind of those initiatives behind your brand. So tell me, are, are those cornerstones of your brand that you continue to abide by and how do you go about abiding by them? Yeah, definitely. So starting with, you know, sustainable packaging and shipping, um, I really make it a mission to use, you know, you know, minimal plastic to no plastic in any order. So everything is shipped, you know, using some sort of, you know, craft mailer or cardboard box or tissue paper. Um, nothing is sent in, you know, you know, poly bags or cellophane sleeves. The only thing I do wrap in cellophane sleeves is wholesale orders that are going into shops where people are touching the prints. So it's important that they're protected, but I really, you know, try to just reduce that as much as possible because it's something that's, it's not going to be used again. Um, so that's the biggest thing there. And then any of the packaging, like the custom tea towel packaging that I create for those, um, you know, that's all printed and created in the USA. And then it's also, it's made out of um, a percentage of post-consumer material and then it can be recycled. So I try to think of it in a very circular pattern of, you know, how is this being made and, you know, how are people going to use it? Are they going to save it or are they just going to recycle it? So, you know, yeah. there's so many points of that process that you need to consider and, you oh, know, think sure. about. <laughs> yeah. And I try yeah. Cause I feel like that's so important right now. I feel like, especially in the apparel industry um, or just textiles, really, it's just keeping mindful of sustainable products. And I, I feel like the state of Maine is very focused in that from an environment standpoint and a climate standpoint. And I feel like a lot of businesses are starting to get into that becoming B Corps or, you know, joining organizations that's just 1% for the planet. And yes. when I, you know, <laughs> read about your organization and just reading your blog, um, which I, of course, will, I will link in the notes section of the podcast. I, I was already like just on board your brand. I was like, this is phenomenal, you know, <laughs> locally yeah. sourced like all about sustainability. So you go girl. I'm glad that you're doing that because I feel like that's very important. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not, you know, completely perfect and I try my best to source things locally or, or at least within the U S. Um, but there's a couple things that it's, it's tough to find or, you know, the price difference makes it, you know, really hard to, to source it here, but um, but I'm always on the lookout for, you know, new sources or other sources that I just don't know about yet. So it 
takes a lot of time to find those. <laughs> oh, yes. It yeah. seems like um, the United States is kind of, you know, at a place where I think they're trying to figure out ways to, you know, make things in house and like those materials and making them accessible. And I think that's going to be a slow roll for a little while. I mean, I'm hoping I I love promoting made in Maine products, made in USA products. And um, I'm hoping that we will find that more and I'll be um, easily accessible to brands like yourself, because I feel like that is very important and even sustainable focused uh, products. Because I'm finding that the trend over in Europe and in other places in the world, they're definitely at the forefront of sustainability and we're kind of behind. So hopefully (laughs) it'll it'll make it easier for you because I can only imagine. Now, uh, I know we touched on sort of like the sourcing of materials and um, your sustainability initiatives, but tell mm-hmm. me about your studio. So where's your studio located? And tell me a little bit about the space. I'd love to get my listeners into the environment of your space. Yeah, definitely. So my studio is actually in downtown Portland on 4th Street. So it's it's really nice. It's a 10 minute walk from where I live. <laughs> so that's a big plus. Um, but the space that's itself. Great. Yeah. It's 300 square feet and it's on the third floor of an old brick building. It's really beautiful. Wooden floors, you know, white painted brick walls. And then there's three large windows on one side of the space that nice. overlook brings the natural Street. light. Yeah, that's yes. great. Tons of natural light, which has been a huge step up because before I was working in my small spare room that was really dark and it was about a third of the size. So this has just been transformational <laughs> as far lovely. as storing inventory yeah and having oh, I'm sure room. good for you definitely thank you good and um so tell me about a product that you've enjoyed working on the most I mean I'm, I'm sure you love working on all of them but tell me about a fun project that you've worked on and or have continued to work on really <laughs> yeah so one of the projects that I've been working on kind of on and off throughout this year has been my pattern cards. I don't know if you've seen them on Instagram at all. Yes, I have. Yeah. So they're, they're smaller cards that basically help me create repeat surface patterns or just repeat patterns in general. And it's been a fun thing to chip away at and, you know, keep re-exploring because for me, I use it to, you know, create and think of new patterns, but keep it in a very, you know, bite-sized controllable way. It's, you know, it's a small piece of paper it doesn't feel overwhelming and you can, you know, spend between, you know, 10 to 30 minutes working on one, you feel like you've accomplished something, but if you know, you're short on time that day, you can work on it. But I think it's also just a nice way to, you know, disconnect and unwind. And I think it gives you that same feeling as, you know, an adult coloring book would give you. So just being able to yeah, zone in and focus and practice something over and over again, And, you know, do something with your hands too, that, you know, you're not on your phone. um, You're not really distracted. So that's great. That's something. Yeah. I think everybody needs that right now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I feel, I can only imagine that I wanted to ask you. So do you find it like relaxing and just calming while doing your craft? Like, is it something that takes you away from like the stressors of life and you're just like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, for the most part. Um, I mean, I I really do love what I do. I've been, you know, drawing, painting, designing it for as long as I can remember. So it is something that just 
if I get in the zone, I can really relax and have a good time. I mean, the only hard part is when there's a deadline sometimes, um, which I think a lot of people can relate to. It can feel stressful, especially if you're experiencing a creative block because it, it does happen sometimes. And sometimes you just, you can't control it or you can't get yourself out of it. But Right. If it's something that it's more of a personal project and that there's not a strict deadline, I think that's when I feel the most relaxed for sure. Well, that's good. I, I know what the deadlines <laughs> can, can stink and I can totally feel you on that, but I, yeah. I get it. Like I can only imagine it being a kind of just like a relief, but then also it can be innovative because you're trying to think of like other ideas and designs that you can play around with and just things that are inspire you. So speaking of that, I know you heavily focus on, you know, fun food designs and it's been a part of your collection for a while. And do you, and even florals too, I've been noticing. And now are you going to think about opening up to other designs or is that kind of like your key focus for right now? Um, Right now, I think it's my key focus. I think eventually I'll, you know, continue to branch out as my collection gets bigger and, you know, the types of products that I offer continue to expand. But I think I just personally have a connection to fruits and food. I mean, I, I love to eat. I love to cook. Um, This past summer, we had garden plots. So I've been getting more into, you know, growing my own food, growing flowers, you know, pickling. So I just, I have a very strong connection to food, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people here can relate to that because we're all foodies here in Maine. I feel like we like good food. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, I definitely see, you know, expanding into other, you know, categories or themes, you know, maybe getting into more animals or maybe, you know, exploring, you know, more abstract shapes and textures. I mean, I'm open to, to anything or, you know, whatever makes me feel inspired. That's great. And are you uh, planning or I wouldn't say planning, but are you, do you have something in your mind where you're like, man, I really want to do this in the next like five years, whether it be a project or a business goal of yours, like something that you really want to achieve in the next five years with your business? Oh man. Um, it's, it's I know, tough I threw sometimes that at you. COVID. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I think, I mean, I would love, oh, eventually to have, you know, my own storefront. I think that's something that I, you know, I really enjoy building out and creating just like a really interesting hybrid space between storefront and workshop space and maybe like interactive space too, I think. And maybe five years is a little soon, but (laughs) within the next five to 10 years, I could see myself, you know, getting into something like that and having more of a day-to-day presence with the people who are, you know, excited and interested in what I'm doing because having a studio has been a really nice step, but I would love to just be able to connect with people, you know, on a personal level more. And I know, again, that's, that's tough with COVID with any, you know, shop that's, that's open right now. But (laughs) once (laughs) we've gotten past that, I think that's something that I would be really excited to, to do. Yeah, that's great. That sounds very, like a very exciting opportunity. And I'm sure you will achieve that because it seems like, I know a lot of, you know, small businesses and makers that are hoping to have a storefront and they've done it. And it it looks like it's been quite successful, even, you know, keeping COVID out of it. You know, I feel like you'll definitely achieve it because I find that your products are very remarkable and you have such a wide range of the collection. Now, 
do you, what is like your um, typical demographic? Like who do you, who really purchases your products like that you find, you know, when you launch the business to now, has it changed at all? Not, not so much. I would say it's mostly, it's definitely mostly women. If I look at my stats, it's like 90% women, 10% men. Um, and it's, you know, women who are mid twenties to about 40, I would say is, um, the main demographic. So mostly I'd say millennials are, are my audience right here. And that's been pretty consistent. I think, you know, since I've started just because when I was doing markets and doing more of the in-person events, that was the age group that was, you know, attending those things because I was in Providence and I was in, you know, Portland now. And, you know, the, the general population is, is pretty young and especially in Providence, it's a little bit more of a college town. So Right. Did you go to college in Providence? I don't know if I asked you that. Oh, so I actually went to college in Boston and talk about that. Oh, yet, that's but right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I went to school at Wentworth Institute of Technology and I went for industrial design, which is basically product design. So 3D product design. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, which ties into what I do now. Not, not perfectly, but it gave me a lot of, you know, the background to what I was able to get myself into. Right. Um, yeah. That yeah. gives you a leg up for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it totally helps. And um, so have you, have you had any mentors along the way with your business? Like people that, you know, you went to college with, or maybe it was high school, or maybe it's people you've just met, you know, throughout your network. Have you, have you had any mentors or coaches? Right. So I, I wouldn't say I've had a specific mentor or coach. Um, I've, you know, I've talked to, again, like Missy from Juju, you know, a little bit back and forth just because she's been, you know, owning her business and she's been a freelance graphic designer for almost 10 years now. So it's been nice to talk to her and then just other friends who are also self-employed. Um, and also to Amy Parker, who is the owner of Woods Creative Co. And she's also based in Portland. So they do a lot of graphic design and branding and brand strategy projects but I would I think I would like to (laughs) and I'm I'm just very I get in my own head and very independent so sometimes I don't ask for help as much as I could but it would be nice to have someone that's a little bit more consistent that I can talk to and just ask questions as I grow especially from the business side because I'm definitely not a business major didn't go to school for business so (laughs) that's been the most mysterious part of starting a business and having a business I'm sure. Yeah. I feel like, um, I always hear like different sides. So like one, you know, the person that starts the business is a designer and they don't really know the business side of things. And then there's like, uh, you know, business focused person that wants to go the design route, but they don't, aren't like really big into design. So it's like kind of interesting to hear both sides of the story. So, um, I'm, I think it's really interesting how you're approaching your business because I find that I can relate in that way too. Um, even though I, you know, I have reached out to some mentors here and I have to say like when I was in Maryland, cause that's where I'm originally from. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really have many mentors here and there. I would say I built my community here in Maine and there are some amazing people that go and just lean in and help you. And it's a great community. So hopefully you can find some good resources and you, it seems like you already have, uh, which is Definitely. great. And yeah. um, so I'm really, really happy to hear that. So um, one last question I have for you is, sure. which leads right into this, is really why Maine? Why start a business in Maine? 
well, you didn't really start here, but why bring <laughs> your business really to Maine and has Maine helped your brand at all? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that Maine has helped me grow. I mean, just, just being here. Um, there's a lot of self-employed people in Portland and just in Maine in general and, you know, made, made craft and handcrafted products is a big part of, you know, what the people of Maine are doing. So I just thought that it would be a, you know, really supportive community. And I think the people in Portland are just very interested and curious in what you're doing and there's less competition. It's more about, you know, how can we work together and how can we, um, you know, how can we help each other? Basically. I just think that people are very open to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's so many resources too, for, you know, having workshops or, um, you know, doing craft fairs. Like there's so many things that are happening in the, in the creative world, you know, whether it's music or printmaking or, you know, whatever you want, you can do here. <laughs> it feels like, which is really cool. Thank you for tuning into Makers of Maine. And thank you to Chandler Jackson for being a guest on this episode. Don't forget to shop small for the holidays and even after the holidays and grab yourself a banana tea towel from her shop, as well as her many other products. I will link her website and social media handles in the notes section of the podcast. If you'd like to see visuals of these wonderful products, please follow the Makers of Maine Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Now for our featured musician is Spencer Albee. He is a third generation Mainer and has always been interested in music. His parents exposed him to some great music like the Beatles, the Platters, the Supremes. He learned piano from his first grade teacher and his grandfather was a professional vaudeville and big band musician. Spencer even sent me an old newsreel of his grandfather playing in his band. You'll have to check it out on my website. It's definitely a sight to see. Here's a song, Love's Not Lost. It is beautiful, and I think you will highly enjoy it. I will link his website and social media handles in the notes section as well. Thank you all again, and stay safe and healthy.